When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. As promised, this is our good friend, Scotty Roberts, and we're going to talk about, I don't know, we're going to kind of we're going to weave through this. Scotty, we've been dealing with very, very unusual times. I don't know if it's worldwide, but it certainly is here. And I know the pandemic, the coronavirus, is definitely a worldwide phenomenon. But the rest of the stuff, I'm not sure if it's isolated to the United States or everything is just out of whack. What do you think? Is everything out of whack? Um, Yeah, you know, uh, uh, by the way, good to be here. Thanks. Uh, I got to tell you, this stuff is uh, the world's out of whack. I'm not an astronomer, an astrologer. But I've talked to a couple of them that are very good with the numbers and the planets and all of that. It's kind of a mathematical way of looking at things. And I couldn't cite for you what planet is in whose house or, <laughs> you know, what constellation is glowing brighter or anything like that. But I can tell you from the things I've heard from people in the know about this is they say that the way planets are aligned right now and when the coronavirus started, it matches up to lots of other periods in history that had great upheaval and great catastrophe. And uh, I found that fascinating all by itself. Yeah. And so, uh, um, you know, supposedly we're in the middle of uh, somebody cited just today, somebody I know very well uh, that works with this stuff. And they were saying, you know, this planet's in this house, and that's when this happened in history. Yeah. The Black Death. Uh, this is in this house, and that's when this catastrophe happened. And this is in this house, and that's when this other catastrophe in history. We've got all three of them right now going on. Wow. And what? so if there's something to that, then, you know, maybe that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. You know, I said, what's next week? Yellowstone erupts? Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. <laughs> that would... It, it, it's, know, it that, seems like we have to be prepared. That would solve a lot of problems. It would take out two thirds <laughs> of the country. So. Yeah, I, it would solve something. Um, we had a guest on, and boy, I was just racking my brain trying to remember who it was, and sadly, I can't. Uh, that's that's part of getting to this age. But um, <laughs> we were talking about uh, the maybe it was it was the coming of of a, a prophet or a teacher. It may have been the coming of Maitreya, and. Um, they were talking about the fact that we are entering the age of Aquarius, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And that these yeah. ages change every 3,600 years or something like that. And, something like that, yeah. And Jesus uh, was here during the last age or the age that we're leaving. And now, uh, so it kind of lines up with what you were just saying. There's something astrological going on here that might very well be responsible for all this craziness. And it might be, you know, all these... Maybe these guys were onto something when they were doing like the biblical prophecies of the end times and stuff. You know, all these prophecies. And there's things going on that kind of look like sort of maybe some of the things you read about in biblical prophecy. And 
And did they have their eyes on the numbers and they're saying, you know, this is coming? Well, if they did, maybe they'd have had dates or something like that. Nobody gave any dates. But uh, there's a lot of things happening that seem to line up with what we used to learn way back when I was in very fundamental Christian conservative education. And, uh, you know, that uh, the end times would have this, 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 and this earmarking it. And you're starting to see things that look like that, down to even things that are being touted as good things, like uh, um, uh, Elon Musk talking about the, the neurotech, now the AI tech that they're trying to do, which is where, in, in essence, your mind never dies. It's the stuff of science fiction. You upload it into a computer the way I understand it. And it, it, it uh, you know, you can, it, it's stuff that people can access as well. And, uh, and it's, it's so wild when you think about it. It sounds like the stuff where in the biblical prophecies, you know, and when the beast rises in the Antichrist and people will not be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast in their wrist or their forehead, you know, things like that. You go, what the hell are they talking about? And then you hear all this stuff about implants and stuff like that. You'd be scanned for your implant in the wrist or the forehead, maybe. And you think of these people who developed this. Do they not read this stuff, <laughs> you know, and say, maybe we ought to make it in the leg or something instead of the wrist or the forehead. So nobody thinks it's 666, the mark of the beast or something. You know, and, you know I, I make a little fun of that, but you start to see all this stuff start happening that looks like blank. And so uh, you ask the questions, hey, is that anything, does it have anything to do with that? And I really don't know, to, to tell you the truth, because there's, and it can go far afield from every, all of that prophecy stuff as well. So, um, <clears throat> you know, those are the things that enter my mind when I see this. When you hear about uh, coronavirus when it first came out, it makes you think of the biblical prophecy that said in the end times, at the same time, you know, one third of the Earth's population would be would be killed, would die. Uh, you see the things about, you know, hearing the it's not even prophecy; it's scientific prophecy, if you will, about about Yellowstone, which I mentioned. And of course, we were looking at this stuff ten years ago, right. fifteen years ago, right. but they've been watching the Earth buckling, yeah. you know, up to uh, ten inches every day and back down. If that chimera goes beneath Yellowstone, what happens? They said the last time that chimera blew, it took out two-thirds of what is now the United States and threw the Earth into a nuclear winter for about 20 or 30 years. And so is that going to happen? What happens if that blows? Yeah. And you think about that, and I don't want to be disaster-ridden, you know, having anybody, you know, run out and... You know, oh, that's it. The the earth is ending, you know, end life today, um, you know, or anything like that. But you have to start asking if there's anything to the old prophecies or are we just living out life the way it happens? This is how it happens. We, how many we untold don't, planets out there have gone through something like this? Yeah, and we don't, we don't, we don't have an answer for forces of the, that magnitude. There is no defense no. against that kind of natural force, which we know happens throughout the course of 
Earth's history. It happens often. Our, yeah. But our perspective of time is warped because we look at things in, term, in terms of a lifespan or maybe a, a couple of generations or even all of human history, which is really just a blip of time when it comes to geological right. time. So, uh, you know, it's going to happen someday. Will, will, will humankind be here to, to experience that eruption? Who knows? Maybe something else will have right. take, wiped, wiped out humanity before that, or that might well, do there the trick. scientists that have said uh, there was a Chinese scientist, and this, I read this in National Geographic magazine like 10 years ago, and he was asked point blank, well, when do you think the volcano is going to go under Yellowstone? He says, could be 10 minutes from now, could yeah. be 10,000 years from now. He right. says, we don't know. And that's a very oh. small window of geological time. Yes, it's, it's tiny. Yes, it's, it's a tiny. very small window. Um, let me ask you, you, you brought, brought up the mark of the beast and all of this, and given what we're looking at in today's climate, I don't mean that in a weather sense, I mean that in, in, in a, in a uh, yes. society sense. Um, could the mark of the beast, I've heard a lot of different interpretations of it, could it actually be a political ideology? If you don't have the right political ideology, you don't, you, you, yeah. you, you don't have the mark of the beast? I think you might be right. Um, We're losing you a little bit there, Scotty, I don't know. Are you with us still? It was written two thousand years ago, and can you back, Scotty? Can you back up for me because we lost you in the beginning of your answer there? Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, you know that's prophetic language, and that's the way it's written. And so you don't know: Do I take this literally? Do I take it figuratively? Is it speaking about plague? Is it speaking about science? Is it speaking? What's it speaking to? Is it politics? And, uh, of course, uh, biblical prophecies all wrapped around politics. Somebody is going to be recognized as the leader of the world. And so I asked the question once, I said, he will be actually the leader of every country, or he will be looked to as the world, as a leader in the world, the, the foremost voice on earth. You know, is that what that means? Is it going to be somebody like that? But it also ties a lot of Israel to the prophecies, you know, this at the same time, you're going to see the temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. Uh, but the temple site is where? It's where the Dome of the Rock stands right now. Imagine right. what would happen if they tore down the Dome of the Rock and built the temple in Jerusalem. Right. Yeah. Um, so things like that. You look at that, and you look at the politics, you look at the countries, you look at the names involved, you look at how the prophecy was, prophecy was written. But of course, the biblical prophecy isn't the only prophecies out there of end times. We did see how, uh, you know, 2012 happened. Oh, I guess that was kind of a, a poof in the dark, you know, <laughs> nothing happened. Um, you know, and <laughs> uh, I saw a political cartoon, like a political cartoon, like the far side. And it showed a couple of Aztec guys, and they're standing by the, by the, the big calendar, uh, the big circular calendar. And he goes... Oh, you ran out of space, eh, Bob? And he goes, yeah. He goes, about a thousand years from now, people are going to go nuts. <laughs> and so, um, but, uh, uh, you know, prophecy and all of that. I don't know that, uh, I don't know that we can gauge current events prophecy other than maybe to say there might be something to that. And maybe it does take a different form than we've always taken politics today in this country right now. We're watching this happen. And uh, there's something I've been talking a lot about lately that ties into this, and this is 
the narrative. You, you hear people say that a lot. You hear it in the news. You hear it with pundits. Yeah. Uh, um, they talk about, well, this is happening, but that's going according to their narrative, you know, or people are being duped because they're listening to the narrative and uh, don't listen to the narrative. Well, the thing is, everybody's got a narrative. It doesn't matter what side of the issue you might fall on politically or ideologically or religiously, everybody's got a narrative. That's the story that bolsters whatever course they're following. Now, you could have in this country right now, if you divided it into two, you could say there's a conservative narrative and there's a liberal narrative, roughly. And so you would look at that and you say, the problem I'm seeing is that the narrative we are locked into right now in this country especially, and perhaps in the world, is the war narrative. The war narrative is the one where they're all a bad guy fight against, no matter what side you're on. Your narrative is the correct one, and you have to fight against the other guy who is automatically the enemy because his narrative is one that you believe is destructive from your point of view of your narrative. And so I started talking about this and asking the question, maybe we need to look, and and don't think I'm a, a peacenik or anything like that, you know, where I'm a weirdo about this stuff, but I said, what about the peace narrative? There is a narrative that is the peace narrative that says we need to, in a sense, transcend above the narratives that are going on. And rather than look at everybody as enemies and say, how do I, how do I best combat fighting the war narrative? And, uh, and I started, when I talked about this, I really started out by saying, uh, how do you fight the narrative? And then the more I researched and more I studied, I found the narrative has to be one of peace. It has to be one of saying, look, uh, we all have different narratives. Yeah, I get that. But you, everybody needs to stop and look at the source points of everybody else's narratives and try to understand where those people are coming from. Now, that might sound just as easy as, you know, talking peace and talking unity and all of that. And I think it goes a little deeper than that. It looks to say, you have to look to say, there has to be a narrative of peace and understanding and unity before there's going to be peace and understanding and unity. Now, I can look at people like Antifa. I can look at the negative side, the the opposite narrative that I hold politically or ideologically, and I can say, they're the enemies, they're the bad guys, they're the ones who need to be eradicated. At the same time, Do I need to stop and ask, okay, what's their narrative? What's their story? What's at the base? What is the source point of what they believe? And if you can get to that and try to gain an understanding of what some of these people believe, maybe there's a way of finding solutions and unity. Um, But at the same time, sometimes the war narrative is absolutely necessary. There are things that we have to fight every day. Um, I'll use a silly example, but a real example. If some mugger tried to attack my wife and my children, you know what? I would click into a war narrative very quickly, and uh, um, I would move to do my best to defend my family and uh, possibly to hurt the person that's trying to hurt my family. So there are times when a war narrative is necessary or violence is necessary. Anger is necessary. 
But <clears throat> I, I'm trying, even in all the discussions that go on on social media nowadays, and because I do radio, I put a lot of politics out there, and I sometimes poke the bear. I sometimes stir the pot uh, for the sake of finding how, what people are thinking. And uh, by poking the bear, I mean I just put up a topic. It's going to be a, I know it'll be a hot topic, and I get all kinds of answers. And that, but I get people calling me all kinds of things. I've been everything. I've been called everything from a Nazi <laughs> to a uh, Zionist pig. I don't know how you could be a Nazi and a Zionist <laughs> pig at the same time. Yeah. Uh, to a xenophobe, a misogynist. Uh, I'm a homophobe. I hate LGBTQ people. I hate. Uh, Antifa. Well, if you're not Antifa, then you are obviously a fascist. And I say, no, I'm not a fascist just because I don't approve of Antifa or agree with their message. And so trying to maintain a peace narrative for me is one of where I check myself very quickly and I don't fall into the name calling. I don't fall into if somebody has a stupid idea, you stupid son of a bitch. Uh, you know, that's not how I start my argument. That's a good way to lose the attention of the people that you're arguing with. Right. So <laughs> I try to look for the common ground. But at the same time, do you think that maybe this is the case, I will ask? Or I try to approach things. Everybody says, and you're so negative. You hurt so many people's feelings. You do. And you say, well, psh. I said, no, I really don't. Uh, then you don't. Then you aren't listening to what I say when I say it. If you think I'm out there to hurt people, I'm not. So all of this, just take that all, everything I've just said, and just push it aside and put that in a little kettle and say, I think what's going on in the world today are things that we can combat. I am not down in the dumps usually about this stuff. Uh, It doesn't bother me other than I get pissed off by it all. But I find that I can find my own calm in it because I know how to approach things from a peaceful perspective and look for that and seek that. However, when I look at things like Minneapolis, now I think you know, and maybe some of your listeners know, I live very close to Minneapolis. I grew up in Minneapolis as a kid in North Minneapolis. I grew up just a few blocks from where a lot of these things are taking place in Minneapolis. I had my own company back before I met you. It was called the Uptown Marketing Group. And I was at the corner of Hennepin and Lake Street. Lake Street is the district that got set on fire last week. Uh, Lake Street, uh, you go two blocks from where my office was, and you can go see all the burned-out shells of some of these buildings. And uh, so I was right on the corner of that district, and they were really trying to build that district up. And it was a very swanky, combined with hippie kind of style of of the town. And uh, it was right off the Lake District, the inner city Lake Districts. And uh, you look at that now, and I say, right where I was officed, there's 170 businesses that have been shut down by rioters. Some of them burned, some of them looted, and these are all people that are local to that neighborhood. Um, Most of it took part of the ground zero was the Lynn Lake, Lindale Avenue and Lake Street. I was a couple of blocks up on Hennepin Avenue in Lake Street. Shut down. That's crazy. And I say, you cannot commit an injustice to create a justice. Um, and that's the big problem today. And so I think a lot of this started as bias, but it's moved into something very different now. 
um, where it's spread around the world and so on. The problem I find is that there is a, at the core of it all, is a lie. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to state one thing, and this is and we need to get, so I'm not going to try to be as political as it sound, but you know how the COVID-19, the coronavirus, and everything's been shut down. Right. And in Minneapolis and Minnesota, the, the governor of Minnesota made it mandatory lockdowns, and you, you couldn't go out, you couldn't go to restaurants, as everybody knows. Right. Uh, you couldn't go to funerals. I knew people who had people who died, you know, not necessarily of COVID, but who just died naturally. Sure. And they couldn't attend the funerals because there was lockdown. Then all of us, and the governor declared this, Governor Walls of Minnesota. Now, that was just a few weeks ago. That's right. Now we've got this guy who's killed by a cop. And all of a sudden, the governor shows up to his funeral with thousands of people. And the question I asked myself, now, if this is too political, you can slap me down on that, but <laughs> on this. But I said, now, I asked this question. I said, Black Lives Matters. I said, they say that black lives matter to them. Now, if you, Jim, were part of a movement that cared about, you say, I care about this blank sect of our society. I care about them. Now, black and African-Americans are in the high-risk category for coronavirus. And uh, um, just by race alone, they are in the high-risk category. And yet you've got... Black Lives Matter, who say they care about black lives, telling everybody not to go home. Go home. Don't gather together in thousands. You're going to get sick and die, which was the narrative two weeks ago until this started. Now, all of a sudden, the coronavirus, it's okay to go out in numbers. And the people who say they care about a high-risk category of our society are pushing that high-risk category society to go out into it. Now, I have my views on COVID-19 and coronavirus and shutdowns and all of that. But I say, what's the narrative behind that when you say that the group that cares about a group tells them to do the opposite of the thing that is supposed to save their lives by general order in the United States right now, it seems? Uh, that tells me that there is political agenda in the narrative. And so their narrative is one of war, not of peace. And uh, so these are the, I mean, and that's all I'm going to say about that stuff tonight, unless you have things you want to say about what I've said, but because I don't want to get too political. My, my politics will scream yeah, through no, and I'll I, become an angry we, young man. Right. Well, we, wanna, but, we, uh, we want to avoid going too far in the political uh, right. avenue here. But I, I will say that um, it is very, very curious. And I'm not even talking about the movement themselves. I'm talking about sure. the way the media handled so much of this when they were screaming at us and arresting people for taking walks on the beach and, um, yeah. you know, and go, showing up at people's businesses uh, who decided to open, and they did so in a very safe and and, um, and careful manner, yet they were arresting them because they dared <laughs> to, to try to feed their families. Exactly. Uh, you know, I look at that, and then I look a week later, they don't say a word about uh, no. thousands of people gathering and, and 
I won't even comment on what they were doing, but just the fact there were people together like that. They don't say a word about that. And now that that's kind of subsided in many places, now they're back to talking about um, how states COVID. states like Georgia opened too, reopened too early. Or It's just the, the media is such an embarrassment anymore. It's unbel- it it's unbelievable. Whatever happened to the to the uh, honest reporters who just wanted to report the news, There's not that doesn't exist anymore. Um well, right. I'm only going to keep you for a few more minutes. Uh, I want to go back to this uh, this idea of of uh, end times and stuff that's going on yeah. that starts to, if you start to piece it together, you might have the case for um, uh, evidence that we're actually entering these end times. I'm curious about um, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Does that show up in the Bible anywhere? Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Not that I can make a direct correlation to it. Maybe I'd have to sit down and stare at it for a few minutes and go, oh, yeah, maybe here. Uh, but uh, um, not that I know off the top of You know my what I'm head. talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about when I say the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, yes? No? I have an idea okay, of then what you'd... you're talking about just by name alone. Okay, you might and, not You and... might not then, and maybe it's all. It's very, it's very recent news, but there's a section of Seattle that has been basically uh, yeah. declared its independence from the United States. <laughs> right. And right. they are known as the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHAZ. Um, oh, that, yeah, that, yes, CHAZ. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- the interesting uh, thing about that is the people who've declared it an independent state aren't the people who work and live there. Right. Uh, they're from outside. <laughs> That's so. right. They, and I, I can't imagine... take over your property and declare yeah. it our independent territory. I, I can't imagine being one of the business owners or even a residence. I don't know if there's any residences in that six-block area, but, uh, I mean, what the heck? You expect your government that you pay taxes to to come in and stop something like this so you to can live with... It's just crazy. And I was being yeah. a bit facetious. But it is, But my point is, is more that these are things that I don't think we ever thought we'd be seeing in our lifetimes anyway. Um, it's just... I see them all as things that I think will eventually be remedied. Um, I don't think we're going to fall off into... It's like uh, I saw the president today in an article I saw that hit the news today, this afternoon, where he said something about, um, no, America is not racist and we will not defund the police. And uh, so this is the reaction you're getting. Now, is this creating a more of a race war and war and more and more of this? Maybe. But I think what's eventually going to happen, it's going to get resolved. I am a, I'm a huge optimist. And I'm a realist at the same time, uh, where I think these things are not uncommon. Uh, And by the way, whenever you hear anybody want to compare what's going on now to the Boston Tea Party, just refer them to American history. Oh, that drives me nuts. uh, That drives me nuts, too. I did a whole show on that, just talking about how the Boston Tea Party was all about taxation without representation. That's right. And... When those guys who dressed up as Native Americans and threw the tea in the harbor, they were protesting against the um, taxation that Great Britain was putting on the colonists. They did not leave the boat and go and burn down the businesses of all their friends and neighbors. And it was specifically tax- taxation on the tea. Mm-hmm. It was a, I mean, that was the specific tax they were, that, that was the final straw that made them act. That's, that's right. And that has nothing to do congruently, comparatively, with anything that's going on today. Nothing close. Uh, now with these current events. And so 
I think this stuff will resolve itself. I mean, we saw acts like this when back in the third century, um, the uh, Library of Alexandria was raided by Roman soldiers and by driven and spurred on by um, um, the uh, Bishop of, uh, of Alexandria, uh, Cyril, the Bishop of Alexandria. And they burned down this repository of amazing knowledge because it contained pagan literature. And uh, um, they killed Hypatia of Alexandria, one of the foremost teachers there, by pulling her off her chariot and flaying her alive in the street. Wow. Mobs of Christians did this. And uh, I'm not speaking against Christianity, just who did it at the time. And now Cyril of Alexandria, who spurred a lot of this on, he became a saint in the, in the church. He's Saint Cyril of Alexandria and uh, for the deeds that he did and the things he did there. And so you look at that and you say, I'll bet those people at that time thought, this is uh, the end of the world. Um, and as a matter of fact, if you ever were to watch the movie Agora, A-G-O-R-A, which is the Greek word for the open places, the marketplaces, and things like that, the marketplaces of ideas, um, there is a scene where they're showing the raiding of the Library of Alexandria and all the fires and people fighting and dying and killing. I mean, it was terrible. It was like downtown Minneapolis. And the camera slowly pans out to an aerial view. And then, you know, with graphics, they show the aerial view. You're, you're ascending through the clouds, and the clouds cover it all. And then it finally ascends all the way out, and you see the planet. And it's quiet and silent. And it backs out, and you just see the globe. And then it comes back in a little later. It's, it was trying to tell that picture of what, like, Carl Sagan said with, look up all your listeners, go look up on YouTube, the blue dot. It's about a three to five minute uh, video by Carl Sagan where he's narrating something. And he talks about on this planet, this is us, the blue dot hanging in space. And he says, we have no idea if anybody is even out there anywhere else at this point in our history. He says, but this blue dot has contained every human being who has ever lived and died. He says, from good people to bad people, religious people to secular people, uh, politicians and tyrants and uh, peace lovers and all of this. And he says, every one of those human beings from the beginning of human history has lived and died on this little blue speck hanging in space. And as far as we know, there is nobody else out there that's coming to our aid, at least at this point. And, and so he makes the point of saying, um, we're all human. We are all here. There is one race. There are not multiple races. There is one. And, and uh, this is really kind of the beginnings of that whole peace narrative. It's understanding. When you hear a politician say, we're all in this together, I start to cringe when I hear that because I usually hear it from one side of an art. We're all in this together. Uh, <laughs> You know, BS. Yeah. B is in B, S is in S. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> when you think about it from a global standpoint, a historical standpoint, we are. We're all here. We all. This is where we live. This is it. This is the place. You destroy it, and you destroy yourself. Uh, you destroy our civilization, and you destroy yourself. Um, and uh, this is where I see some of these people. I don't know what their intent is. 
other, you know, you see their visceral open intent, but you don't know what the deeper intent is. What is it you're trying to bring about? What kind of a country do you want to have? Uh, what kind of a, a world do you want to have? And it's like I've said many times, it's like you look at Iran, and I happen to know, or Egypt, where I've been many times, the local people love you to come and visit. Happy, friendly, wonderful people in these countries. Same in Iran. It's just the handful of few in the governments that prevent that and create the wars and create the, the distancing and create the disunity and the hatred. And uh, they spur the, the common people on to believe that. But most common people would rather have, please come and visit, and we would love to come and visit you. Um, they don't want it. They don't want war. They don't want this stuff. So these people that are perpetrating this stuff right now, I honestly think, Jimmy, that it's going to be eventually gone. It's going to be taken care of. And it's hopefully before it comes down to violence. About, uh, violence begets violence. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. And so if they, if they push this and they are hurting people, there's going to be there's going to be some comeuppance here pretty soon, and uh, and then it's going to be eradicated. And you know what? Life goes on. So, all right. So I'm not I'm not sure whether I should be um, comforted or uh, scared to death based on what you just said. But I'll kind of I'll, kinda, I'll, I'll go down the middle. Both. I'll go down the middle. Scotty, uh, thanks for being here tonight. Where can people catch your show and the things you have going on? Um, you can find me at uh, on YouTube. It's just Mister. Scotty Roberts, Mr. All spelled out. That's where my show is. I've got about 200 episodes archived there right now. Uh, or on Odyssey Radio. And um, <clears throat> it's just the video simulcast I do on YouTube. Uh, you can go over to my website. It's just my full name, scottallenroberts.com. Allen is A-L-A-N. scottallenroberts.com. And you can see all the stuff I do, the books I write, the radio show, the art I do, all of that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here tonight. We always love having you on the program. Uh, Jimmy, thanks for having me. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.